All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to um, Real Human Table Bings. Table Tap Table Taps Real Human Beings Edition. Yeah, real people. It's do like this. it's like Will Wheaton's uh, YouTube show Table Tap. Oh yeah, only this one's Table Just... Tap. Little some. Yeah, it really, sounds really, really bad. bad. It sounds really bad. I'm Alden. And we're both teachers at a Canadian school in China. And we're searching for answers. But poorly. So that makes us real human beings. This is our podcast where we talk about random stuff like uh, movies, TV shows, music. Life in China, teaching, politics, sports, pretty much whatever we're interested in. Uh, so what's on the schedule today? We're going to talk about Dirk Gently and, and the Holistic Detective Agency. And we're going to talk about nationalism and the Olympics. So check it out. Somewhere, Dirk is waiting for us to find him, and he'll know how to fix this. I'm never getting out of here. <laughs> Did something bad happen in this house? Find the boy. What boy? I have no idea. How did I forget how annoying you are? He didn't escape, he disappeared. Ballistic, like the interconnectedness of all things. Are you okay? I know where to go. Fulfill the prophecy. Find Dirk Gently! Have you noticed an acceleration of strangeness? It's getting closer. What if it's the boy we're looking for? It's not the boy! It's not the boy! You have to take the shot! So this is kind of a repeat then, huh? A repeat? I don't know, we talked about Jerk Gently, that was our... <laughs> was that our third or second? Third. Second. That was our so second so. episode, yeah. Oh, so we're mirroring our first season. Yeah, that was kind of the... Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Why not even say uh, a black mm. mirror? <laughs> you know? A dark mirror. Uh-huh. Uh, no. Wait, just say... A mirror. Because <laughs> um, we say the same thing. <laughs> so, Alden. Yeah. Could you man on a street this? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Who am I talking to? Like, just a person? Just or, a person. Or, like, a person who would know about Douglas Adams. Uh, how, how would it change? It would change a lot. Okay. Uh, do somebody who hasn't, who's never heard of okay. Dirk Gently or... You got trying your, to sell them, okay. sell them on, this, on this TV show. We have a somewhat paranormal world where we have a charming young British boy... With Elijah Wood, another charming young man, going on all sorts of fun adventures, finding out strange and odd happenings. You have time travel, you have alternate dimensions, you have an assassin who can't be killed, you have um, empathetic vampires who can't count, um, and really stupid villains who are also incredibly intelligent. You have twists and plot turns. It's a fun little romp. It... Uh, doesn't take a lot of energy to buy in, um, but the reward is, is is pretty good. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, for for me, I'd say that uh, specifically we're we're going over season two. So um, so all of our main characters are in Montana, in a tiny little town called Bergsburg. 
the mystery this time relates to an alternate universe where Dirk has gotten the instructions to find the boy. So a lot of what our characters are doing is running around trying to figure out what that means, hopping through portals, uh, dealing with magic and secret government facilities, and, uh, you know, making jokes. Mm-hmm. Making jokes. Making jokes. I don't know. I just add some more specifics yeah. to, uh, to the mystery there. Yeah. Um, so, so what would you tell somebody who knows the knows the Dirk Gently books? We touched on this in our yeah. in the, our second episode that we mm-hmm. ever did. We touched on this as the fact that it's not really no. But but how in would the, how would you describe it to somebody who the, knows the books? In the first season, it's 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 like a spiritual. It's like somebody poking their face into a silk piece of like silk gauze and you can sort of see this impression here's the air here's the famous metaphors <laughs> hold up the reasons why most people listen to real human things hold up let me explain you fuck so in the first season dirk gently the book dirk gently dirk gently is the sort of hapless character who tries his best likes holistic detectiving and isn't as like which bewildered and lost is the sure. book this is the book yeah, but what what is holistic detectiving? Um, basically, you arrive at a place and you wait for the clues. It's to the come opposite of deductive. Yeah, it's which inductive. Is, deductive is where Sherlock Holmes like yeah. takes all different types of clues and puts them together. Yeah, holistic it's, is like you wait for things <laughs> to come to you. That's how that's how that's how our dude yeah. in the TV show does it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know I I vaguely know the books. I know them from a yeah. audio book that that we listened to once. That's it's nothing that. mystical though. Yeah, that's the thing. It's nothing like there's no like superpower. So one of the big things that like that's a big difference in in the show compared to the book is that like all these characters have like literal powers. Yeah, they're paranormal. Yeah. yeah. And there are paranormal powers that exist in Douglas Adams books like Thor shows up. He's mm-hmm. a he's and uh Right. You know, there's this really creepy assassin sort of duo and like there are paranormal things, but it's never to that but extent. Dirk is also not one of those, right? Yeah, he's just or a like normal he, guy. He, it's hard to tell. It's like kept more deliberately yeah. vague. There's no Blackwing. In, in, in this one, there's there there's is a, a se- literal yeah. like government organization that's trying to house all these yeah. people. Yeah, no, it's just sort of like he's a guy who does stuff, and everybody's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so I think if I was to talk to somebody who read the books before, I'd be like, hey, you know that yeah. book that not too many people read by Douglas mm-hmm. Adams called Dirk Gently? Because Hitchhiker's was more famous. Yeah. Uh, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that was pretty nice. They made a show about it. It's like, yeah, no, they just took the name. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like I would proceed to give my ideas. description. And then I would yeah. proceed to give my description. Okay. Like, some, some loose ideas from, yeah. from the thing. Yeah. Um, he's still British. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so in, in this season, we have a returning cast of Elijah Wood, Sammy Bartnett. Um, I think uh, Farah is Jade something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jade of Pinkett's. <laughs> Jade Esta. Uh, Hannah Marks is Amanda. Mipo, mm-hmm. uh, I can't say his name, but Ken. Mm-hmm. He's Mipo. Mipo Coho, mm-hmm. Coho, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, Fiona Doriff. That's I'm Bart? assuming that's yeah. Bart, yeah. Yeah, that's Bart. She looks quite, she's quite There's... pretty in real life. So, that's so... Really creepy, but just <laughs> comparing Bart in my head. So we have those returning people. We have a lot of, a lot of returning cast, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have some new characters. Um, go over a few of them. We have Alan Tudyk, who shows up. He's probably the biggest name, I would say. The yeah. biggest, most recognizable. Well, Elijah um, Wood. 
And no, I'm, I'm just saying new, oh. of the new mm. new people. Uh, Alan Tudyk is this creepy government agent. Uh, John Hanna, who was in The Mummy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is Mr. Mage, yeah. uh, who's an evil villain. Um, good. Amanda Walsh shows up as Susie Borton, who's this... Uh, very good. A very good character, <laughs> character of a of a Montana mother. Yeah. We have uh, Izzy Steele as Tina, a cop. Tyler Labine as Sherlock Hobbs, who's kind of like playing uh, Stranger Things uh, except, <laughs> sheriff, except much nicer. Yeah. <laughs> then we have then we have a host of characters from the alternate dimension, including a guy with pink hair yeah. named Panto something. I forgot his a last Bobo name. A Bobo Fool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Montana Mother sounds like so a great band who, name. Um, so <laughs> I really liked uh, Sherlock Hobbs in this mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm, <laughs> he mm-hmm. was a so he's he's the sheriff of this tiny town and uh, he's really bored. Yeah, I yeah I guess bored. He he originally because all the characters are on the run. So uh, you know being mm-hmm. a being a probably the most lawful good or neutral good yeah. i don't know what you would call him but he he arrests them mm-hmm. and then as soon as he kind of figures out what's going on he lets them out and he and because yeah. because he wants to solve this mystery I'd say he's as well I'd as say he's neutral good yeah yeah that makes sense ferris lawful um, good so he's uh but yeah he's just he's got this genuine energy he looks like david harbour yeah. which is funny too I, I just i just liked him as an inclusion and kind of a play on that Tough, yeah. you know, tough sheriff. trope. Yeah, yeah, tough sheriff trope thing. Honorable mention to Susie Barton, who yeah. is uh, Montana plays, mother. Plays a Montana mother. Um, they do a very clever thing in this by mm-hmm. making her out to be very sympathetic at the beginning. Yeah, like you're, uh, you, she, you're like yeah. this woman has a horrible life. She walks with a. She has like this this limp. She's um, very meek. Yeah, her her son yells at her. Yeah. Her her husband doesn't seem like he cares as much. Yeah. Um, and so it's this really like oh man sympathetic thing, and then she she, she gets a magic yeah. wand. And, yeah, well, well, and you're she, like oh things are getting better for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and she she almost gets killed at one point, and then yeah. she finds this magic wand which saves her. Um, and it all comes to a head in probably one of my favorite scenes, where she goes to this book club and she says this this stirring speech about bullying and about how all yeah. all the other mothers are uh, are mean to her. Yeah. And then immediately undermining all of that yeah. is the other the other women are like. No, actually, you're the bully. <laughs> yeah. And they reveal all this stuff that you didn't know about her beforehand, yeah. but yeah. all of her life is, like, her fault, and yeah. she's pretty much evil. So yeah. I, I just loved that, it's a great that little, little twist. Turn. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing, she's hamming it up, but uh, it's it's great. Yeah, I'm going to so. say Mr. Mage, to be Mr. honest. Mr. Mage. I like Mr. Mage quite a bit because he's, like, just a bad person. Yeah. Like, and I think that's kind of what the... Like, Susie Borton... You could say, like, okay, she is somewhat sympathetic because, you know... Or not sympathetic, but, like, she, she could theoretically change herself, right? And, like, without getting too much into the details and spoilers of the, of the show, I mean, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, but, like, do Mr., Mr. Mage is, like, is a created character, essentially, and his whole thing is to be evil. Yeah, he's just so an evil guy. He's right just right literally there. just evil. Like, yeah. he, he doesn't... There's no complexity, and it uh-huh. was kind of refreshing where he's just, like... So when he's like soliloquizing or like um, hurting people unnecessarily or taking like why doesn't he just kill them yeah. right? It's because he's sadistic. It's because he's he takes yeah. great pleasure in this. There's no like moral like oh I feel bad or like he's because Susie Borton even though she's like crazy and all that stuff she still tries to go to the book club and be like hey look I'm I'm better now like which would imply 
that she's at least thinking a little bit like, hey, everything's going to be good and we can go back yeah. to being friends now. But but you but you see through her, yeah. her other things that it's very superficial exactly. um, understanding yeah. of that. Yeah. I really like Tina. Let's jump she's back new. to new characters. I really like Tina. I'd say Tina is another good pick of mine. Um, she okay. was she the ex, this is Sherlock Hobbes' friend. Uh, she's sort of a, a recovering slash is a, a drug addict slash party girl. Uh, and she's just got some great little moments uh, sprinkled throughout her relationship with Hobbes. I think that was one of our, definitely one of our things that we liked is the way they integrated the new characters with the old characters. Yeah, one of the big things about uh, this season was, uh, yeah, they spent a lot of time... And I think this is the best part of the yeah, season. Definitely. They spend a lot of time just kind of trolling around this this mm. little town, mm. and a lot of the characters are played off each other, and yep. they get each one gets kind of screen time with each other one, mm. and they get to have dialogue and conversations and mm. like, okay, well, this is this person's worldview of, the, yep. and then this is this person. Yeah. Um, what we have really is kind of like three groups. We have yeah. Dirk's group, yeah. um, which is Dirk, uh, uh, Todd. Uh, Hobbs, Tina, and Farah, and, and they're trying to discover this um, mystery of this house. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, the Blackwing people, mm-hmm. and they're trying right. to just track down all these other people. And yeah. then we have uh, Todd's sister Amanda, who's with the Rowdy Three yeah. vampire guys, and they're like just trying to escape. Yeah, just trying uh, to like. Fruit, well, she's trying to run find, away from. She's Blackwing trying to. She's and, following visions. Right. To. Which leads her to the and and leads her to the the alternate dimension called Wendymore. Yeah. Which uh, can we spend some time talking about Wendymore? Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah. This is a fantasy world where people walk around with giant scissors <laughs> yeah. as swords. Yeah. There's a train that's uh, hell that's going in the sky. Yeah, just like, perpetually in, like in the sky. That's where all the bad people are. Yeah. Um, There's a giant moon it, that people, looks like yeah, that yeah. looks like the Majora's Mask moon. Yeah. Like. Well, Crescent? yeah, yeah, less, yeah. less like, like a like half a, moon, yeah. Half moon, yeah. Um, it's not crashing into the, the yeah. planet, which is, yeah. Um, yeah, people have pink hair. Yeah. It looks like a, a Ren fair, yeah. yeah. They um, use yo-yos and slingshots to attack each other. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Um, they also have uh, the, the knights, the, the evil knights. The uh, Kellum knights. The Kellum knights, which is uh, a clue for that, the fact that this is like taking place in, in somebody's imagination. Yeah. But the, the leader of the bad knights, the <laughs> Kellum Knights, is, his name is Triangle But Evil. Yeah, which so, is so good. <laughs> the knights all have square helmets. Yeah. It looks very silly, yeah. but like... It works. It's all taken very seriously. All yeah. the people take it's, it really seriously. Because it's their world. It's, so, it's yeah. really funny that way. This one woman really, calls her father yeah. a bobo fool, and he's like, yo, the bobo fool. It's, it's, it's all super silly. serious. Yeah, Wendy Moore. Wendy um, Moore. And the reason why is... The Wasi Waknasi. Yeah, that's, it's great, yeah, right? All these great um, little names. It's all taking place inside a kid's mind, mm-hmm. so that's the reason why it's all silly. Childlike, um, yeah. I yeah. Know. It was all filmed in uh, Stanley Park at North Van. Yeah, so <laughs> there's there's a line where, where the guys, where they get transported to this world, and he's like, oh man, look at all these woods, or yeah. look at these forests, and he's like, where did we come? And he's like, maybe Canada. Yeah. It's like, like it's not yeah, Canada. Yeah, it's pretty. Like, there's trees here. That's Canada. <laughs> it's like, and it looks like it looks like Vancouver. It looks or, or like BC, it's, like it's that. The, it's the Pacific Northwest. Those type of it's, those type of yeah. forests. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I was just Wendemore. gonna say Wendemore. Uh, it's just great because like 
you have all these childlike elements, but it's played so tone serious. Yeah. And then you in the real world where it is tone serious, you have a lot of like f- weird characters, I guess. Yeah. So like you have the this like almost sort of like weird dichotomy of like a very serious thing like Blackwing, and then you have sort of Dirk Gently and all these sort of weird little things popping around in a in a more mm-hmm. tone serious world. And then you have Wendemore, yeah. which is very silly, but then people are killing each other and it's like this dynastic struggle between two yeah. families. Two feuding families. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, also being killed being cut with scissors would suck so bad. Yeah. Like that would hurt yeah. so much. Yeah, it would. For uh, sure. That would be very painful. I was uh, every time I was thinking I was like, ugh God <laughs> <laughs> um, it, if I was to pick my favorite character, it would be uh, Administrator Friedkin. Uh, what's his okay. name? Okay. Yeah, we, I was going to talk about returning yeah. characters too. Yeah. The, the, so uh, it's yeah. So Administrator Friedkin. Yeah. He is. Uh, we mentioned him last time. Yeah. He's kind of a golden retriever of a of yeah. a person. He's yeah. super dumb. Yeah. And he's the head of Blackwing now. Yeah. This, this secret he's organization. So dumb. He just he's cannot like, follow anything. He's every a little they, bit he's a little bit of an audience surrogate because yeah. they use him to kind of explain yeah. plot yeah. points. Yeah. But um And you pointed out an interesting thing where like in the previous season he had killed two characters that were quite yeah, I quite positive. Honestly they make him more at the end yeah. at the well We'll get into the ending, mm-hmm. but at the end, mm-hmm. Freakin is is given kind of a redemptive arc where yeah. he ends up helping Dirk yeah. uh, save the, this boy yeah. um, and go to the alternate yeah. dimension. And uh, I don't think he's deserving of it because he killed, you know, some of my favorite characters with the two detectives last time. Yeah. Estevez, yeah. he he murders in the very last moments in the finale. Yeah. Um, and so to me, I never kind of got away from that. Yeah. I was like, ah, eh, he's still. I don't. I don't feel yeah. good about that. I feel like so, the, that was a little weird to me. I feel like it's in line with the show talking about how you have to fix yourself before you fix other people. Like he at the end does have like a no. I'm doing the right thing now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, maybe it doesn't excuse his past actions, but we can say that that action's a good action. Yeah, you know. But so like, like, but like, here's the thing: it didn't. It, it didn't it have. Was it, never, didn't, it wasn't built up enough. Yeah, it wasn't that's built up thing. enough, that's, and it was I never. Would, yeah. And I would say that that yeah. the other, the other one of the other returning characters, Ken, yeah. had way more. I thought he was going to be way more the sympathetic voice yeah. and, and the empathetic voice, yeah. which he was at the very beginning. Ken is the computer hacker who friend of Bart, who friended, who was befriended to, to to Bart in the first season, and he's been captured by Blackwing, yeah. and uh, there's this great funny like exchange like most of the exchanges between freaking and yeah and ken yeah. are, are humorous him just him yeah. just explaining to this guy who yeah. doesn't get it um but yeah no i thought i thought that ken i i thought immediately like when the beginning of the season started i thought that he was going to end up as yeah a a um, agent of Blackwing. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought that was just natural progression. Mm. But I didn't think that he would end up. And I guess we're we're coming here yeah. first. Um, I, he, he's kind of the secret villain at the yeah. very end. He um, becomes the bad guy. Yeah, he wants to imprison and kind of control yeah. all these all these uh, paranormal yeah. people that we were talking about before, like yeah. Dirk and Bart and all the other yeah. ones. Um, but that wasn't really yeah. alluded to. There was no foreshadowing of that, yeah. and in fact, he was he was the one who was treating them with like a cautious hand. Yeah. Um, so that was that was odd. Yeah. That was odd. Well, let's let's talk about um, 
I don't know, any of the other old characters. I mean... Well, I just like... You know, I think the actor who played Freakin is so good at showing how stupid he is. Like, you can see him... Like, like you can visibly see the Dustin mental... Mulligan. The, yeah. the, the visible mental strain it takes mm-hmm. to say... When he says something, you should read the report. And he's like... Like, don't tell me to read the report, man. He's like, so, I just don't understand. He's, he's so good at, like, conveying... Yeah. And like even Being even idiot. in the first season, I actually like when he killed Estevan in the Estevez, first season. Yeah, Estevez, yeah. In the first he's, season, he he's says, like, "I don't like, know why I'm doing yeah. this." Like he's just like, "Yeah, I'm killing you," but like he's like, "They told me to do all this stuff, and I don't understand." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just as confused. Um, him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the final mm. season as yeah. well. Uh, it got canceled um, from BBC America, at least, mm-hmm. which. But, I didn't really know anything about BBC America, but it's like co-owned by AMC now. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So uh, they're looking for like they're they're looking for somebody to pick yeah. it up. So maybe not because it ends on like a sort of cliffhanger. Yeah. But, like, it leaves itself open for a, a season three. And, you could theoretically end it there. I guess. So this brings in other stuff from mm-hmm. from outside, but like would. I guess okay. Let's let's I, I'm separate these two questions. But but one of my one of my questions is: Would you want a season three? And um, I, mean, I feel like I feel like you might as like like it mm. might be good. But but I think one thing that we both kind of agreed on mm. is: uh, Do you want to talk about the ending? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely we we really enjoyed the first season. I think yeah, and with the second season. I don't know. It, I really enjoyed the, the first, the the first, cup, the first, a, a lot until the last two episodes. Yeah, uh, there. I would was, say it was pretty cool. I, I would say like the something I, was off though. Yeah, and like, both of us, both of us said it. I, yeah. I think for me, a little bit later than Alden. Yeah, but. for me, it was by like the seventh episode, and for you, it was like the eighth, ninth, ish. Yeah. The last two, it the first like five episodes are so strong, and they're then so fun. Yeah. They're so fun, and then something happened, and I don't quite know. Yeah, I don't want to put was, your finger on it, really. But something was wrong. And I think, I suspect uh-huh. that there were rewrites. I th- I suspect that there was something something changed. Uh-huh. Um, or maybe it was just the fact that we spent so much time in Wendemore at the end. Yeah, maybe. I, I think just, one, I, one of the things for me is the fact yeah. that, I kind of like we pointed out when we were talking about Canon yeah. uh, Friedrich, yeah. uh, is the fact that I feel like characters at the end kind of switched their, yeah, their what they had been saying before because like for example there's another time where Amanda wants to stay in the world uh, Todd wants to run yeah, away yeah. but then like weirdly when they get attacked like it's switched well, yeah uh, for and I was noticing that it was yeah. just stra- it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of continuity yeah there. all of a sudden characters were doing things where mm-hmm. you're like what why huh yeah and like be smarter about it. like also also the the attack on mr mage was kind of like yeah. whatever yeah they end up blowing him up he's in the real world he's gonna like wreak it was havoc like, on the real world yeah. but then they it felt like they just they, filmed it as like an afterthought almost or yeah like, well like they like oh, they like, oh well, we need we need a we need a plan yeah. to, to sneak up on mr mage yeah. and then they just sneak up on him and try to shoot him yeah. it's like that was your plan yeah. he even says like he's like that was your plan yeah. that's really stupid and it's like, like yeah because they have it's, it's, I don't know, it's even yeah. like the tone changes something Because like, I just yeah. remember the first episode when Mr. Mage stabs the dude with the pen. And that's like creepy and dark and like, whoa, shit. And like, yeah. the tone in the first season was maintained, I think, through every episode. 
you have the and like this one something happened it got like too there's something relaxed yeah. i would have to watch it again or something but definitely pay more attention i would now, definitely sure. say that the last the last quarter to like one sixth mm-hmm. of that of that season suffered and for some reason for some yeah. reason for me i think something changed we know max landis is in trub trubs right now well, okay, that was way. This yeah. was filmed way before, I written know. way before any of this happened. That's what I want to bring up next. When, when, when did he get in trouble? When was he accused? Very recently, yeah. a couple of months ago. Uh, I mean, it's already pretty much over. But um, Max Landis, mm-hmm. so we said uh, before, we didn't really take a deep dive into mm-hmm. it. Um, but he is kind of the creator, adapter. Uh, he's, said I yeah, he's he's got screenwriting credit for um, pretty much all eighteen. Uh, episodes, but mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure because it's just as created by that's, that's yeah. what he's got credit for. Um, but I, I'm sure he wrote a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, a lot I mean, of it seems somewhere in there. A lot of it seems like his Max Land type of writing, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, recently he got accused of sexual harassment, not on the same level as someone like uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein or, or Louis C.K., mm-hmm. but um, you know, still in the mode of this Me Too, Time's Up, mm-hmm. whatever type of movement. Um, which, I don't know, doesn't surprise me that much. Uh, but, I don't know. Um, so I don't know if he'd be asked to come back uh, mm-hmm. for a third season or not. But I think without him, it probably... I don't know, he was he was the main creative force behind it. So yeah. it's really his, his thing. So without him, I don't know. I don't really know where it would go. Um, we won't get our brighter... Yeah, well, actually, I don't know if this is going to be a bonus or whatever, but here. Um, (laughs) What I want to do is go through Max Landis because I I think he's, I think it's interesting for this. And I want to, uh, I want to to go through some of his things here and and have you, we're going to play a little bit of a game. Uh, I want want you to guess about uh, this different stuff. So, uh, Max Landis. Who is he? Max Landis. Um, son, son of John Landis. He's been doing a lot. Uh, he has how I would call it, I would say like eight major projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, out of those, what I like to do is I'm going to read, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it is, tell you what he did, and ask you what you think uh, the score, the Rotten Tomatoes score was. Okay. Uh, on it. Rotten Tomatoes, of course, is not the best one ever, but... It's the closest. Yeah. Uh, his first thing, his first major one that I'm counting... Is uh, this directing or just writing? I'll, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll let you know. Uh, this is screenwriter. He was a screenwriter for Chronicle. Okay. Have you seen Chronicle? I have seen Chronicle. Don't worry about Andrew. Listen to me. We can't screw Wait, around with this. It's too dangerous. Andrew, it's what, not what a game. Stop this right now! Who's making the hit sound? What is that? Please. All right, dude, we're going inside. Steve, wait up! Matt, look at this! Holy God! Script one made him famous. 
The description says three high school students made an incredible journey leading to their developing uncanny powers beyond their understanding as they learn to control their abilities and use them to their advantage. Their lives start to spin out of control and their darker sides start to take over. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, yeah, also directed by Josh Trank, who uh, then went on to do Fantastic Four, Fan Four Stick. Nice, me. nice. Um, so what, what, you've seen this one then. Yep. Did you like it? Enjoyed some of the tropes he broke. Yeah, I also thought it was a bit heavy-handed at times, okay. and you know, I I, th- I think it was I think it was a refreshing breath compared to all the other Marvel stuff at the moment mm-hmm. at the time. Anyway, okay, so I want you to keep that in mind yeah. and compare it to the. Uh, also, while you're doing this, compare it to the other projects that he's worked on so far. Uh, what would you say the tomato? What would your guess? A seventy-nine percent. I'll sure. give it seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Okay, so it has an eighty-five percent, oh, okay. and it's fresh. It's the highest-rated thing. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised. People yeah. liked it a lot. I mean, I, I was like, I haven't okay. really seen it, but it sounds. It was good. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, so well, not fun, but it was. You know. We you started this. Out, you were talking about Bill Hader yeah. thing. So this next couple, uh, really, uh, I'll put them right next to each other, even though they came out at different times. But um, American Ultra. I just killed two people. I took a spoon and I shoved it through this guy. I'm just gonna start like pissing in my pants. I swear to God, Phoebe, I'm just gonna start like pissing. Whoa. Agent Howell has been activated. We go in and we take him out. Something very weird is happening to me. I'm sorry. Bitch, I ain't trying to get normalized. I think I could probably break this lock. Please don't. Oh, got the go, go. Why are people trying to kill you? No, help me. Do you remember that? Nope. Okay. Uh, it's stars <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. Nope. Uh, they. So here's the description. American Ultra is a fast-paced action comedy about Mike, a seemingly hapless and unmotivated stoner whose small-town life with his live-in girlfriend, Phoebe, is suddenly turned upside down. Unbeknownst to him, Mike is actually a highly trained lethal sleeper agent. In the blink of an eye, his secret past comes back to haunt him. Mike is thrust into the middle of a deadly government operation and is forced to summon his inner Phoebe action Megan hero. Fox? No, uh, Kristen Stewart. Oh, Kristen Stewart. Uh, he is forced to summon his inner action hero in order to survive. I'm going to give that unfresh. I'm going to say... F- mm-hmm. uh, ah, well, if Chronicle is 85... Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this is like 64... Okay. 60, 60 to 64. This one was 43. Yeah, I should have, should have guessed do you remember the Do you remember the poster? No. no not the you don't remember this I don't, at all? I have no wow. understanding of this movie. I don't yeah. watch... I've, I haven't fine. seen an ad in forever. That's fine. I don't so, go to movies. So 42. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. All right. Uh, the next one, uh, which came out a little bit later, and this is... It's called Mr. Right. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. You heard about this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, you look great. Excuse me, waiter. Can I... I'm on a date, and I like this girl. Can't we do this tomorrow? Hey, did you have to finish a book on tape? No, sorry. I had to kill somebody in the parking lot. Yeah, into it. Why would anybody kill our guy in public like that? Go, blow his face off. He seems like a sexy rain man or something. Thank you. You are FBI, and you have been assigned a new target. He's formerly one of the world's most notorious professional killers. He quit? No, he developed a moral code. He said he killed a guy in the parking lot. I thought he was joking. People still try to hire him, but now he kills him. He kills the people who hire him. Yeah. Is this my dad? 
Just unconscious. This whole reverse hitman thing is like... It's weird, I know. You're like the greatest, and then you kill people, and... The movie info, hyperactive at the best of time, Martha has gone full-on maniac since her last breakup. She babbles, parties like a monster, cooks everything in sight, and is looking to do something terrible when she meets Francis. To anyone else, uh, Francis's approach would come across as creepy, but Martha can't help but be intrigued. They seem like a perfect match. She's bananas, he's bananas, except he's the deadly sort of bananas. I don't know who wrote this. Uh, he's just a professional assassin. Uh, Francis is a hitman with a cause. He unexpectedly kills the people ordering the hits, just as Martha begins, blah, 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 uh, begins to fall in love with him. 50s, in the 50s. Thirties. Tim Roth is in it too. So it's Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick, Tim Roth. Fifties. It's Alia Shawkat, is it? Oh no, and another one. But he works with some really some cool people who I like. Fifties. It's forty-three. As well. Is everything going to be lower? Each is each thing going to be progressively lower? Maybe. Or is it is in a sequential order? Maybe it was supposed to be chronological, but I I, a little bit. Um, So it's all going to be forty percent or lower then. The next one is his actual, It's this is his directorial debut. It's called Me, Him, Her. Brendan. What is up, man? Corey, I need to talk to you. I need you to come to LA. I'll pay for everything. What's going on? I'm gay. I'm glad it's out. It's not, it's not out. I, uh, I'm not out. Hey, that's why I need you to come here. I haven't told anybody. And the new season, my show starts on Sunday. And my parents are going to be in town for the premiere party. I'm just going to need you here as emotional damage control. Fuck, man! Fuck. And it is uh, about a madcap r- romantic comedy about Brendan, a heartthrob television star who enlists Corey, who's director Friedkin, actually. He's mm-hmm. the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, his shiftless slacker best friend to fly out to L.A. and help him keep his new, newly realized homosexuality a secret from Hollywood. Upon arrival in L.A., Corey has a drunken one-night stand with Gabby uh, and is too busy trying to see her again to help Brendan, despite the fact that Gabby is a lesbian. Uh, with a rowdy cast rounded up by Alia Shawkat, Gina Davis, and Haley Joel Osmond, me, him, and her is a bizarrely endearing high-energy send-up of modern love. So is this, can you give me a hint, is this higher or lower than the previous movies that we've seen? Higher. Okay. I'm going to say it's still not fresh, but mm-hmm. like 55, something like that. 45. Damn. So when I said higher, it's 2% higher. 2% higher. This is his directorial debut. Um, he got a one star in uh, Roger Ebert. Uh, now we get into some other ones. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Victor Frankenstein? Yep. I'm Detective Inspector Turpin. I'm here to investigate missing body parts. I'm not sure what you mean, sir. Well, you're not afraid to challenge the natural order, Mr. Frankenstein. No. And it's Frankenstein. <laughs> we shall create a man after our own image. Questions? Um, well, you're welcome. It's alive. Well, that's rather obvious. You have the chance to be part of something. Oh, what? Being electrocuted. Chased by monsters. And hunted by the police. Well, if you're going to concentrate on the dark side. That's like 20% or something like that, or like 13. 
James, right, right off the bat, you don't yeah. even tell me the fucking yeah. part, but it's you like 13 this? to 20. Well, okay, I just It's wanna, bad. I just wanna, it is surreal, man. I saw the trailer <laughs> and I was like... It is. Like, why would anyone make this? Why, why, why I, wa- I want to read through the thing because it's like, what? what's... Uh, they star in a dramatic and thrilling twist in a legendary tale. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, or James McAvoy, scientist Victor Frankenstein, is equally brilliant protege Igor Straussman, whose Daniel Radcliffe share a noble vision of aiding humanity through the groundbreaking research into immortality. But Victor's experiments go too far, and an obsession has horrifying consequences. Only Igor can bring his friend back from the brink of madness and save him from his own monstrous creation. Why would anybody make Th- that movie? Like, 13. what was the point of it? Thirteen. It's 24. Uh, You're close. But okay, so like, did you see that article that was sort of circulating around on Facebook and no. moments and stuff? Uh, there was The Sun, mm-hmm. which, wait, I think I told you the story. It's about Frankenstein. Yeah, go, yeah. go ahead. Say it again. Okay. For, the, for the people at home. People at home, yeah. It was like The Sun or whatever, but they were talking about how they're like snowflake millennials uh, are saying that Franken, that Frankenstein's monster is the, sympath- is the sympathetic character. Uh, which is the whole fucking point of the novel, right? Uh, that calling it's uh, it's called irony because it's Frankenstein the doctor is the monster. Yeah. So saying Frankenstein's monster is wrong, yeah. and you should know. anyway. Which is an article that made me think of that, and then you have uh-huh. your Max Landis being like, "There is a monster." I don't know what the fucking movie is. Me neither. I don't want my, to see. My parents saw it. They, did, did they enjoy it? I don't know. They didn't really. Have I'll download of... Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter tonight. By the way. Oh, let's watch it. Yeah. Um. The last one that I want to go over of his movies, mm-hmm. Bright, mm. which uh, I hated. <laughs> seven <laughs> alternate. If you guys don't know about Bright, oh my god! Did we, we did a Bright podcast, right? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. No. Was, when do you think we did that? When did we watch Bright? A while ago. Oh man, we should do one. That's okay. I don't need to. Uh. Why is there a fairy in the bird feeder again? Good afternoon, officer. Fairy lives don't matter today. That's it right there. Now take the little homie out LAPD style like you do. Oh, and uh, you keep doing all your gangster stuff. I'm just trying to sell my house. All Westlake units requesting assistance. Three Adam Nine, show us en route. We wait for the cavalry. We are the cavalry. What is that? Taller or shorter? You want $10 million? You're not stealing that one. You gotta get out of this neighborhood. So, set in an alternate present time where humans, orcs, and elves, and fairies have begun coexisting since the beginning of time, this action thriller directed by David Ayer. Yeah, at the very beginning. Fairy lives don't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. David Ayer, who's the director, follows two cops on very different backgrounds, Ward, a human, Will Smith, and Jacoby, a orc, Joel Ederkin, embark on a routine night patrol that will alter the future of their world as they know it, battling both their own personal differences as well as an onslaught of enemies. They must work together to protect a young female elf and a thought-to-be-forgotten uh, relic, which in the wrong hands could destroy everything. <laughs> what, what, do you think the, what do you think the meter on this is? Like a 10? 
27. Oh, God. It's better than than Victor Frankenstein. He's also, so he was a screenwriter on that. So the only thing that he's ever been a director on is me, him, her. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing in TV, Dirk Gently, mm-hmm. how high do you think that is? 80-something, 70-something. 86%. Yeah. He's the creator, screenwriter, producer. Mm-hmm. There's another thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've, I hear it's good. It's called Channel Zero. It's kind of like a horror thing. Um, that has a 97%. Whoa. Yeah, and he's the executive producer on that. So really only three of the things that he's done have gotten fresh. So the weird thing for me is why do people keep on giving him chances? Because he's not failing. He's done one, he's two, failing, three, four, though. five. He's done five pretty much flops. Yeah, he's not failing, though. Box office for Mr. Wright was uh, 25.9K. Hmm. For Victor Frankenstein, 77.7K. Thousand or million? That's thousand. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Because he's got connections and his TV shows are good. And his his dad is a famous guy too. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just... I think it's weird. Why why does fucking... uh, What's his name? Kevin Smith keep getting chances. Yeah, I guess that's true. You could say that about Hollywood in general. But There's a lot I, of people who should I guess be. I guess my point being, I like Dirk Gently. I think it, it combines a lot of good things about Max Landis. Mm-hmm. His madcap, weird... Um, dialogue. Yeah, dialogue. Um, like, I like that, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know what? Don't, don't, don't give him another. Like, mm-hmm. don't bother. It's, I'd like to see something from someone else, mm-hmm. I guess. If, if it's between those two. Yeah. Hollywood executives, I know that you listen to the show and you take our opinions very uh, thoughtfully. So a shout out to Weinstein. <laughs> Weinstein, friend of the pod. You haven't returned any of our calls. I have no idea why, though. Yeah. I haven't. Uh... Yeah. All right. So that's a bonus, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. It might be really boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you want to give this a grade or give this a, a number? I think I would just say that it's a good show, but the first season is better. Okay. I'm not going to give it a grade. Okay. But I'll give I'll give an A minus to Dirk Gently first season. First first season A minus. Yeah, like a low A. Yeah, I would say I would say the first season. It's like a I high B low A. I would agree. First first season was more enjoyable. Yeah. Um. I don't know. For some reason, yeah, yeah it flows together better. Maybe it had less of a. Which is such a shame because I loved yeah. the characters, mm-hmm. the new characters in, in the second season. So so yeah, I'd I'd give I'd give the first season like a yeah, eight or a nine. Yeah, it's like eight but something. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it a nine actually. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna go over to mine. It would be nice. Um, uh, first season nine. Yeah. That's that's as much as I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, this season kind of like a seven. Yeah, that's it's like a seven. Left. This one's a seven for me. Which is it would have been a solid eight if they just fixed that ending. Yeah, like just something. It, something, something was felt, off. Something was off, and so, it just felt weird. Maybe we'll get a third season. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, my guess is probably not, unless picks yeah. it up. Obviously, obviously yeah. that won't be unless that happens. Um, but yeah, that's they'll that's pick it. it up and never film it. <laughs> Maybe they'll film it and never release it. It's like a Prince album. Or Martin Screlly. Yeah. Do you hear he got it? Yeah. 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 Jerk. Uh, but he's going to return it, theoretically, right? The Screlly? Yeah. The, what's his name? The guy who got the Wu-Tang album? Yeah. Oh, he got, he got, actually, he's put in jail. Yeah. And he's going to lose the album. Yeah. The, so. album, the album defaults. It's this really weird state because mm-hmm. he has a, he had a contract that said you can't sell it mm-hmm. or give it away. You have to ha- have it. Mm-hmm. 
but because he's been arrested, it def- it voids the contract, okay. and then it defaults to the government. So the government just holds this Wu Tang album. Yeah, and then I think they'll probably, uh-huh. they'll probably have an auction on it to help pay his to for pay his fine because he owes seven point something million dollars <sighs> to the. You can screw poor people out of their yeah. their life saving medicine, yeah. but don't don't fuck with your investors. Apparently, yeah. that's the lesson of this. Yeah. Anyways, uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about such a cheerful, another cheerful topic. Nationalism. How much Alden loves it. out there. The interlude music for this section is the Olympic fanfare. The beginning part to this piece is actually called Bugler's Dream, and it was composed by Leo Arnaud in 1958. It was part of a larger suite called the Charger Suite, I think? I don't really remember. It was 10 years later in 1968 that ABC used it in a broadcast of their Olympic Games, and it became part of tradition. The second part of this piece was composed by John Williams in 1984 for the Los Angeles Games. After hearing that it was John Williams, it made a ton of sense because that bright brass, those like sweeping horns in it, it's classic Williams. So now currently there's some controversy over whether you say that the piece was composed by Arnaud or it was composed by Williams because NBC put it together and it's been that way ever since. It's really effective music for them to cut to and really inspiring and brings up, for me at least, uh, images of the Olympics like almost automatically. Uh, Real human beings all over the world, you can tell me if this is true or not. The article I was reading was saying that the theme for the rest of the world to indicate the Olympics was Chariots of Fire from the movie. Uh, So the song by Vangelis, Chariots of Fire. The reason why I picked this as the music is because the next section is all about the Olympics. It was a really fun time. If you ever get a chance, if it's near your neck of the woods, I'd say go see it. Anyways, let's jump right into it.
don't have anything to check, Alden. Stellaris still going on? Oh. It's going on in the background? Stellaris. No, it's paused. It's paused. <laughs> okay. <gasps> that was interesting. I'm ready. Alright, everybody, Alden's ready. Are you? Yeah! <laughs> um... So, uh, we we had vacation. Yeah. Uh, holiday. Where'd you go? As you, guys, as you guys call it. Yeah. We had the whole of February off. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, you had your parents, your, yeah. par- your parents and your sister, your mm-hmm. littlest sister. Yeah, they were here. Um, visit you. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, while you were doing that, I was off in Australia. Australia. Um, just making friends with kangaroos and stuff. Chilling on the beach all day. I still have a tan, apparently. I got a big beard now. Yeah, uh, it's very. Handsome. I don't think I can. I don't think I can shave it until it kind of evens out. Yeah. Else it'll look really strange. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. It was. It was really good. Weirdly enough, this is the one thing that I want to go on the record, mm. and then I don't really need to say anything else about Australia. Yeah. Um, they have really good French fries there. Yeah. Yeah. They use something. Something. Really good burgers too. Yeah. I got this one that was beetroot pineapple like barbecue sauce this weird combination and i was just like all right i'm gonna eat it as the chef is prepared and it was amazing Mm -hmm. so that's a weird takeaway to come from australia i feel like but that's what i came with good french fries good burgers go to australia (laughs) paid for by by big burger of australia Yeah, they call it Happy Jacks there instead yeah. of uh, Burger King. Weirdly. Really? Yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the same. same yeah, it's the same. Well, it's not like company. Golden Arches in China for McDonald's, technically. Yeah, it's but I think McDonald's that anymore. isn't that isn't that like the trading company? Isn't that? It's not actually like know. what they call the restaurants. I don't remember. Anyways, it's interesting that we bring up you know fast food because mm-hmm. McDonald's is a sponsor of the Olympics. <laughs> Yeah. This yes, is true. It is. Yes, it this is, is true. Visa is too. Yeah. Uh, um, so we, we, we met up, didn't we? We met up. Yeah, we met up in Where Korea. We, we went to Pyeongchang. Okay, Jesus. We <laughs> <laughs> went to Pyeongchang, uh, which is a small, when I say small, small town on the eastern coast of South Korea, mm-hmm. near to some mountains. Yeah. And there were something, a small event. You might have heard it, heard of it. It's uh, the 2018 Winter Olympics, uh, which was interesting. So we, we watched some figure skating with a friend of the pod, Amanda Joyce. Yeah, yeah I say it. Tessa, I saw you skate today and I thought it was really great. I follow you on Instagram and I have for a long time. I've seen all your programs on YouTube. Uh, that was fun. Uh, it's really incredible too to see that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm not super into figure skating or anything, but it doesn't really matter. You can appreciate once, the art. Yeah, once you see somebody who's that good at it, it's like you're like oh. kind of blown away. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting. We we hung out in Canada House. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not the, Canadian. We listened to the Arkells for yeah. a hot second. Yeah, the Arkells. Uh, shout out to Dan Ward. I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but I was thinking of you, buddy. Yeah. Welcome to the stage for the last night. The 2018 Winter Olympics, dear cows! 
time. Yeah, and then, then, we, then we hung out in Seoul for a while, which yeah. was pretty cool too. Which is very cool, yeah. But about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. What uh, about the Olympics, Jacob? Well, it, well, it's interesting you asked me that question, Alvin, because mm-hmm. I've been thinking a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. I was thinking a little bit about them during that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically how they apply to nationalism, mm-hmm. the idea of nationalism. Um, because I kind of swing wildly back and forth on sports mm-hmm. and Olympics and sporting events and stuff. Um, some days I love it, sometimes I hate it. Kind of like Star Wars, mm-hmm. actually. I do the same thing with that. Yeah. Um, some days Star Wars is dope. Other days you're like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you, you know this is really stupid yeah. um <laughs> like rogue one yeah oh fuck, fuck that movie <laughs> christ um anyways uh, i've been thinking about olympics and nationalism and that kind of that's gonna be our access point we're gonna talk yeah. about nationalism with this next segment um and specifically i was reading this this article uh, which kind of convinced me of one side. Mm-hmm. I'm immediately going to tear down my own side and just show you my two dualities that I have. Um, but uh, this one guy is defending the the nationalism presented by mm-hmm. presented by um, uh, the Olympics because um, they're originally, if if you read about it, the guy who started it in 1896 is a French dude. Mm-hmm. I forget his name exactly. I should have wrote that part down. Um, but but, but but he he originally designed it. It's it's eighteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. So in a few years we're gonna see a world war. Mm-hmm. Nationalism has started. Militarism has started. All this stuff mm-hmm. like this build up. This just mm-hmm. taking of nations and stuff like that. And this guy saw it. This this humanist and mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? I I want to channel this dangerous nationalism into positive nationalism. Yeah, I can. Uh... I can see why it was appealing to people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right after that, then, then you have like, you have like World War One, yeah. World War Two, Germany yeah. using it as an excuse to like pop, pop, spread yeah. Nazism and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's written into the Olympic Code that it's uh, it's the competition is between athletes, not nations, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we still award medals by nations. Yeah. See, this is the thing that I'm not totally convinced about it. Um, they should just be athletes who happen yeah. to be from a country. And that's what's interesting about the Russians is yeah. that they're called Olympic athlete from Russia. They're yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, the way... Which is what it should be. <laughs> Still. Yeah, they should just be like... I'm an know, athlete from I'm Canada. I'm from, yeah. I'm from Japan. And it shouldn't be for yeah. their, co- their country, too. Yeah. It's interesting, too, just to tell, mm-hmm. just on the side here. Yeah. When you watch some of the sports and you watch a lot of the athletes, like the mm-hmm. ice skater, for example, all the ice skaters know each other like quite well. Because well, they all go to the same competitions. Yeah. Well, we were watching the finale, yeah. and it was really sweet. Yeah. They were all like Coming together. taking selfies yeah. and stuff. And One of them was, was really dating nice. a different... One of them just full makes out the the Italian. Well, they were Italian. Italian. They they were both on the same. But they were like with different partners. Right. They were like sort of swapped or whatever. Sure. Um, Yeah, he wasn't skating with his girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then like you have everybody's like friend, like they maybe they're putting on a friendly show, but like we do know that like I think they seems like they genuinely genuinely have and like I know snowboarders are like that too. Like the snowboarders are like, hey, what up, man? Like they, they. they're just they seem like you're generally a thing. And that's that's what's beautiful is the, the idea about this humanism, this mm-hmm. thing that unites us together as opposed to, you know, uh, divides us. Mm-hmm. Like like in that time we are all yeah. we're we're just there for the athletes. And that yeah. that's the inspiring part mm-hmm. of the Olympics and like stuff when they focus on that I think is the best. Yeah. Um 
the way this one guy described it is uh, nations are like family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll do anything for my kids. Yeah. Like I'll do any, like I'll sacrifice anything. Um, but that's the same as everybody else. Yeah. It's like the Olympics are like going to watch a little league game. Mm. Where you're cheering on like the other kids yeah. too and stuff like that, yeah. but it's like your your own one is the yeah. one here, you know. But that doesn't preclude you understanding yeah. what it means for other people. Yeah, and that's that's like nice. That's that's yeah. an expansion of empathy and expansion of humanity, which is like good. Like like at 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 peak efficiency or peak whatever i think yeah. that this could great. it could it could be something where you you support your own country but you yeah. see other people as your moral equals and, and instead of to, yeah. fighting it out in wars or fighting it out like like the cold war mm-hmm. the olympics were like a an outlet for that mm-hmm. which is kind of cool you know mm-hmm. it's like it's that that's positive that's a good thing about the the olympics um do you, do you think, what, what do you think about I mean, the fine. Olympics and, and stuff like that? Do you, do you think there's any positives? I'll watch it. I think there's positives. Yeah. I, I watch it every time it shows up when I can. It's more the summer more than the winter. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. But like, I could do without some things. I think it could be, you could use it perform. Mm-hmm. I think it should be held permanently in one location. Yeah. I, I was actually going to talk about this I next. Don't think, I don't think athletes should represent mm-hmm. nations they should just be athletes from a nation mm-hmm. so here's the athletic co- congregation from canada yeah well i mean that's what that's what happened to the russians yeah just do uh, everybody scandal. everybody does that yeah everybody is just an athlete from their uh-huh. respective country but it's not like you're winning it and you can still play the national anthem if they win the gold like that's fine like whatever that okay that's an okay s- sense of nationalism to you like, like i think that's showing okay. of nationalism. i think that's okay but why not yeah. pay everybody's national anthem the bronze the silver mm-hmm. and the gold oh yeah i see what you're just saying just play all three uh-huh. you know just show like hey we have different countries yeah of course there's different countries well we all can come together and respect yeah. each other huh? yeah exactly yeah. but i think too more and more like if you look at the eu this is my little brain going on the side thing Mm-hmm. A lot of time, it kind of, kind of seems stupid to have countries. Like, I don't know. What's the point? Anyway, that's a different rant I can get into. We'll worry about it later. Um, so, yeah, one thing that you were talking about before that I, I kind of want to go back to is uh, this idea of having just a permanent, one permanent place for yep. all the all the Olympics one to happen at. One permanent place. And, and one of the things that I wanted to mention um, is that... Uh, this this games in 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 South Korea uh, is estimated to have cost thirteen billion dollars. Uh, the Olympic Stadium that they built is going to be played in four times. Was played in four times, and then it's getting torn down. Yeah. The Rio Summer Olympics cost fifty one billion dollars. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. It's since nineteen sixty, no games has come in under budget. Yeah, a half cost twice as much. Yeah. As they initially thought, it's cost two times as much as they they had had. I remember the, the one of the only ones that turned a profit. I know you always talk about London. London. I didn't. I I didn't find anything about yeah. that. But the one that the one that I do know turned a profit was in 1984, L.A. Yeah. Los Angeles turned a profit, and one of the reasons why they said that is because it's one person was writing it's one of the perfect yeah. cities for the olympics which is interesting because they already have like infrastructure or something built up behind yeah. it i don't really know exactly i didn't really go that far into it but the reason for this huge increase in the cost is because of security costs have gone up yeah. 9-11 has caused um really yeah. uh them to spend more on this mm-hmm. and 
the actuality part, like like the actual gains that you get out of it, are not a tourism bump. No. One of the only places where you saw that was weirdly enough, L.A. was another one, nineteen eighty four, that they were talking about in this article I was reading. Um, I don't know about one of the other ones. They focused on that one. Yeah. Um, but you don't really get a tourist bump. You don't really get you get these huge bills. Um, if you're an up and coming city, you kind of get to show off. But that's really all you get from it. It's just the prestige. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the bidders. Um, the number of bidders in 2020 Summer Olympics, there were four bidders. Mm-hmm. The 2022 Winter Olympics, which is going to be held in Beijing, there were two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 20, uh, 2024 was two bidders as well. And what they did is they awarded both of the cities, which are Paris and LA, they awarded them both games. So Paris is going to get it in 2024, LA is going to get it in 2028. They're like, because they're afraid, the Olympic Committee is yeah. afraid that nobody else will bid on it because they've progressively gotten yeah. lower and lower there. So it's this kind of dying yeah. breed of things that only certain cities, certain places will yeah. want to do it. Yeah. Um, it's just too expensive. I, so, think, I could see it collapsing over the next 10, mm-hmm. 15 years, to be honest. If you look at... Until it gets to like... Yeah. Just back to local well, competitions or just low key. Well, stuff. personally, here's what I think is is closer to happening mm-hmm. because if you look at the ones who are bid, who bid for the uh, the Winter Olympics, the mm-hmm. ones who stayed in it, it came down to two of them, but the ones who stayed in it were uh, Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. Almaty, and uh, Beijing, and Oslo, um, Norway, all the all the Scandinavian countries dropped out because they said, "Look, this is just too much cost. We're mm-hmm. not doing that." More and more democratic countries are, are so ironically just saying no. And you have, I, what I think is going to happen is you're going to have pretty much Beijing, yeah. Russia, these kind of autocratic yeah. kind of like top sure. down yeah. things being yeah. the ones who are actually going to pay for it. We talk about it like in the, the yeah. World Cup, it's all Pisa, like Qatar, yeah, yeah, right, Turkey. exactly. And that's like because they have so much money mm-hmm. because. They don't really have anybody who's going to protest any of these things. One of the reasons why Boston got taken out of the running was because there was a massive, like, protest by the people who lived there, and they're saying, we don't want this. Um, So, I I don't know. That's what I predict. It's going to come down to the countries that care about prestige. Would democratic countries even care? Right. That's the thing. It's well, like, it comes. That's that's my point. Is like prestige. This is my other point. Yeah. Like like I just talked about the the greatness of the yeah. humanity and stuff. But like the, the people who are obsessed with the amount of medals yeah. and stuff. Like none of that yeah. matters. Yeah. It's all stupid. It's all like yeah. it's prestige is only important if everybody yeah. buys into it. Yeah. If you don't care about it, then it yeah. doesn't matter. Like the Super Bowl is just yeah. yeah. All these competitions. It's just a game. Somebody said I was reading once that like. Democratically aligned nations are an example of where soft power is the preferred power. Yeah. So, like, prestige isn't really that important. Demonstrations of great strength aren't really that important. Yeah. Having a military isn't really that important. It's just sort of more like trade relations and general openness and blah, blah, blah. And then autocratic countries obviously prefer hard power because it's quicker and easier to deal with. Yeah. Um, and the person was just making the point that generally soft power lasts longer. Yeah. Like hard power, let's say Putin dies, like mm-hmm. that's gone. No more hard power, basically. Or until has, somebody else. Or until it has to shift over. In, yeah. Has to shift over to somebody who has the same sort of hard power mentality. So like the. Yeah, I don't know what would happen. Because if you look at Germany post Reconstruction, World War Two, mm-hmm. many of the businessmen and groups within. 
Germany had what we'd call soft power relationships with trade relations with yeah. Britain pr prior to the war. Mm. So the war's over, then the hard power disappears, Nazis, yeah. and then Volkswagen and all those guys. Yeah. Yes, they committed war crimes, and they should have been punished, but they weren't, so we can't really do anything about that. They quickly built up their industries again, and, and they were helped by the British and the French and the U.S., and well, then they built that soft power, and then all of a sudden Germany's like the leading economy. And Well, and that's the, that's the idea behind stuff like neoliberalism yeah. and current global economics yeah. is the fact that when you trade with somebody, you're less likely to want to attack them. Yeah. So that maintains peace better than like oh, having, yeah. you know, stockpiles of I don't, nuclear arms. I, I personally think that there's... That there will not be a major war between two equal powers. Well, interestingly enough, uh, Trump yeah. uh, and Kim Jong Un are yeah. apparently going to meet soon. Yeah, but I don't care. Uh, Ivanka, Ivanka yeah. Trump was at the yeah. at the closing ceremony. I wouldn't um, really count North Korea and U.S. As, as a as an equal power. Sure, I, I know that you threw that that little qualifier in there, yeah. but I just thought that was an interesting yeah. thing. It, is, it came yeah. out of this yeah. Olympics. Yeah. Um, like I don't think China would ever go to war with. No. With the U.S. or Russia, like there's just no, it, they can't. They're both countries dying. They're well, they're and they're, they're so they're so too, involved in their too, own economics. Too you know? tethered at the hips. Yeah. It'd be like shooting yourself. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't like. I come down in the favor of the Olympics stuff. slightly. I'd say I'm like a plus one. Yeah, to Olympics. Uh -huh. Some people are like plus a hundred. Right. I'm like a I'm like a plus one. Yeah. Yeah. It could be done better. It could be less corrupt. Yeah, but it's a noble sentiment. It's, it's like the U it's like the UN when it, when it gets down when it when it like achieves those heights. Yeah. Um. What See, do you do? You think that there's a way they could do it better? Single place, no representation place. of nation. So you just say it's an Olympic athlete from from this country. Yeah. Don't award them to the country. Just mm -hmm. award it to the athlete. Right. And have a single place. Mm -hmm. One one in Greece. What do you think about what one do you in, think about the what do you think about the um, the coverage? But how people can cover the Olympic Games? Because um, I was reading this one that was talking about NBC. They actually this this one critic was saying that they've actually done done a really a lot better job this year than they did. Like Rio was like a disaster. This year was a lot better, and it's one of the reasons is because there's less U.S. people and they didn't focus as much on the U.S. Yeah, and. That's so they were that forced was, to spread it yeah, around, yeah. and this idea that, like, even when I was in Australia watching it, they just said, you know, all the Australian athletes, yeah. you know, that that's who they're focusing on. Yeah. Like, what's a better way to go about covering this? Have, uh, well, I mean, you're always going to have national carriers, but I like mm -hmm. the CBC or the CBC method in that it shows events that Canada's part of, because you, you can, okay, fine, but you can have like times when you're just showing the event full stop that happens to have a Canadian in it, but it also right. has everybody else. You just show well, everybody. Okay, see, see, but like, like something like that happened. Do you think you can still, because that, that comes back to like the family yeah. metaphor, like you, you care about your own kid a little bit more. Like you can still, do you think it's, do you think it's okay if, because this, this happened in Australia, yeah. we were watching Moguls yeah. and uh, they did a special highlight on, the, it was real time, so we, we watched all of it. Yeah. They had a special highlight on the, the Australian yeah. people. Do you think that's okay? I don't think it really bothers me too much. Yeah. Uh, I think th something like where you only show your athletes is a problem. Yeah. I think where you only show when you win yeah. is a problem. 
I always thought that I think it should just be like there should be like fifty channels, uh-huh. and there should just be like each channels to the one sport. Okay. But I'm also kind of a weird communist where I think that companies and corporations are kind of bullshit too. Like, well, why why do we sure. need to have like I'm watching BBC instead of well, just have like Olympic coverage? Why not just have an Olympic committee? Nobody nobody can film. Like no no corporation gets to go there and be NBC whatever blah blah blah. Well, they don't get to. F- I mean, no, either, but they coverage. Like you don't let you don't let coverage. other. It's just Olympic coverage, and that's what. It's made, and you and, and and on every four every two years, and the, in the in the set zone, uh-huh. there's a there's Olympic coverage. Where do you think you'd have your set zone? Greece, yeah. summer. Yeah. Uh, and then I would probably put it in one of the Scandinavian countries. And just keep it there. Yep. Yeah, I mean. It's central. Eight ways back. Eight hours back. Eight hours forward from East Coast in China. Uh, which is all that matters because that's where the largest chunk of population yeah, is. Yeah, who are going to be watching it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that was one thing that I was thinking about too is the fact that how do you cover it um, when you have to like do it like later in the day or whatever. Yeah. You have to... You have to t- See, I always thought that they were just going on like it was 24 hours and there was a channel that was just 24 hour you know, that Olympic coverage. Which I think they, they have live streaming stuff yeah. now, uh, you know, with the internet and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but that's what I always thought as a kid. They just mm-hmm. were perpetually um, doing it, which would make more sense. But yeah, I remember watching one of the Winter Olympics mm-hmm. a while back, randomly, like when I was in high school, and just realizing, oh, this is all filmed yeah. before because, um, you know, the internet came out and I was like, oh, that guy, that guy lost, actually. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, this... That takes all the fun out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would we even bother watching? Or why are we even televising it? Like, I don't know. The other thing you would do is bring back, bring back stupid medals. Just bring, <laughs> bring back medals for, yeah. for uh, yeah. clay, clay pot making. Yeah. The Olympics, and... I, uh, here's my real thing. I think there should be Olympics for, for athletes. Because uh, for just like whoever, like people who dedicate their whole life to it. And then there should be ath- the Olympics for, like, people. Yeah. Like, just, hey, I'm a guy. I like to run. I don't train every day to run. So, like... But I like yeah. to run. I'm going to go. Like, so people... McFar- like, uh, yeah. McFarland. So, yeah. Or, or somebody like Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Or, like, that one, just willing to give that one dude who, who learned how to eel. swim or whatever. Yeah, something to eel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- those are those are kind of the best stories. Yeah. That's the weird part about like Olympic athletes that I don't get is the fact that they they all have sponsorships and stuff, but yeah. like even like the guy who's perpetually in 30th place, like he he has a sponsor. He's the 30th know. the best in the world. He's better that's, than That's so crazy to me though that I think I'm thinking of the NFL, a it, Cleveland Browns yeah. player who's like literally no, the I worst get it. player is still better than I get everybody. it. It's just it's just it's it's kind of it's kind of sad. It's sad, yeah. It's that one guy sad. who's like always gonna be, oh man, I'm the thirtieth in the world. But like, what does that really get you? Get you? I'm an Olympic athlete. There's yeah, a woman. Who, I guess. Woman who, I mean, I shouldn't. You know, there's that American fine. woman who that's just good. literally went into the downhill quarter pipe skiing competition for Hungary just so she could say she's an American. Right. So just so she could, she's an Olympic yeah, athlete. Yeah. But she didn't I do any that. tricks. She just went down the yeah. hill. 
Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. That's pretty funny. And so it was, it was pretty funny Bil- to watch. Resume it was, builder. It was funny to watch the announcers try and desperately yeah. say anything positive about her. Because, like, she's not doing anything. Real, real human bing tip, uh, tip number 123. Yeah. Uh, great resume builder. Get on the Olympic, Olympic team. Yeah. Don't do anything. Don't do anything special. Yeah. Just in my teaching college, I was, that... I was with a Canadian Olympian. He won bronze oh, in the Beijing really? Olympics. Yeah, for rowing. Well, the people we were with, uh, they had like yeah. friends in the bobsled team. Bobsled, yeah, and they they won gold. Yeah, right? tied yeah. for gold. With tied for gold. Yeah, a hundredth of a second. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah, I think like it is. It is interesting. It is. It is a very. I think the Olympics. I think is a positive thing. I think I would certainly be, if, here's for example, if an alien came down and said, what's something that you're proud of for humans doing? And I would say, you know what, the Olympics is a pretty cool concept. Yeah, it's a cool concept. I think yeah. this is something that... That's if, what it comes down to. It's, it's a cool concept. I think it's a yeah. very cool thing that yeah. we've just tried to do. And like, mm-hmm. we've kind of fucked it up. And it's not the greatest, Mr. Alien. I'm not, I'm sorry. But think of... We are flawed. <laughs> yeah, we are flawed. But we tried it. And I think I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be ashamed of it. Okay. To, to admit to somebody, like, we've tried this. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's nice. Um, last question, mm-hmm. unless you want to go further. Uh, are you going to go to the 2022 Olympics in Beijing? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we know all of them yeah. isn't staying that long. Yeah. China. Nope. <laughs> we're going to have to change this up. Yeah. We're, both, we're both teachers <laughs> at a... We're both... <laughs> People <laughs> living on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> or real human beings. That is true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We should change it up to do that. Yeah, we're both people living on Earth. <laughs> All right, well, when we come back, we're going to have uh, Picks of the Week. Word up. When I heard no one wasn't surprised Could have said it was a long time coming Now you beg for some compromise And you're offering nothing understand making do with what I've been given read the past on the palm of my hand a few chapters I think that you're missing so I'm wondering where can we go now and I'm wondering where can we go now Hello again, my friends. We're listening to the Arkells. This is off their newest album, Morning Report. The song is called Making Do. The reason why the Arkells were even at the Olympics is pretty cool. Scott Moore and Tessa Virtue, I'm just going to call her Tessa Smith. I don't know why I want to do that. Uh, they're both gold medalists now, uh, ice dancers. They were listening to the Arkells like 24-7. They were tweeting about it. Uh, the Arkells tweeted back kind of playfully saying, we should just come to Korea and play live for you. And uh, that's exactly what ended up happening. So let that be a lesson for all you people. Keep tweeting. Never stop. All right. Well, hopefully this recording is better quality. And hopefully another construction outside picked up on it. We shall see. Either way, we're going to go on to Picks of the Week now.
Hi, everybody. They're talking about Picks of the Week. It's where you pick something that over the past week or weeks you uh, have been interested in or happy about. Yeah. Uh, I will pick a YouTube channel. Uh, it's an Australian comedy trio. <laughs> Known as uh-huh. Auntie Donna, A U N T Y, not the small insect, but your uh, female relative, Aunt Donna, D O N N A. Check them out. Uh, quite good. Um, very silly. Uh, they really evoke my particularly favored comedic style where you have one bit and then you just grind that bit until it gives you milk. Hey man, what's up? Help me, Mark. I'm famished. Come closer. Listen to my tum tum. I'm gonna kill your whole family. Oh man, Zach, you really are hungry. Uh, do you have anything for breakfast? Ooh, let me check. We got cereal, bread, and eggs. We got bread and cheese and butter and eggs. We got eggs or cereal and cheese. We got bread and eggs or butter and eggs. We got eggs and we also have a goat. Hello. Okay. Do you have any waffles? Mmm, let me check! We got bread and eggs, we got cheese. We got butter and cheese, we got eggs and bread, we got cereal and we got this goat. Hello. We got eggs and cheese, we got eggs and eggs. Okay, here's the thing, Ma. I just want waffles. Well, then we'll ride the goat to the supermarket and we'll get your waffles from the supermarket on the goat. Hello. Hello. And now we're on our way to the supermarket to get your waffles from the supermarket. Now supermarket let's fly through the sky this goat can take us anywhere we can travel through the desert we can travel to Calcutta we can go to 2011 we can try and fuck this goat what did you just say we can see the film Inception we can visit the Queen of England we can travel underwater. Um, interesting thing about the breakfast goat uh, the sketch. That was initially supposed to be a sketch in 1999. Mm-hmm. Their office series, where there's a breakfast cart that comes around, but it's a breakfast goat. And the long-haired guy, Zach, really wanted it to be a sketch. But the other guys, Mark and um, Broden, thought it was shit, basically. They're like, no, this is too weak of a joke. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> then they just eventually decided to make it like they, they didn't put it in it was like too weak of a joke uh-huh. so but he kept pushing for it and like the twitch chat and all their fran- fans were like saying breakfast goat when because they had talked about it on the podcast and yeah then eventually made it so, are they are they still are they still active they're still active they do live shows they went uh, through cool. north, the north american tour uh they do like comedy festivals they do sort of like a combination of music and okay. like weird sort of various things they've got little uh they've got several like standalone series so like ripping aussie summer is one of them 1999 is one of them um haven't you done well is Mm. another sort of set uh the album which they're currently doing right now um and then they have sort of like little bits in between and they've been going for like four or five years now and Yeah, they're, they're, I like them a lot. Very surreal, very weird, very random. Yeah. Uh, The cocaine one is good. Put it in like a good way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, Yeah, I I liked liked the the ones that I've seen. Bikey Wars is fun as well. Honestly, just go check out their YouTube channel. See if you like it or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that I've been, that's been making me happy. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
weird that you picked uh, YouTube because I'm kind of picking a YouTube one. Uh, f- this was really randomly brought on. I don't really exactly remember why. I think it, I was listening to an old comedy, uh, uh, Improv for Humans uh, one, and I think one of the people brought it up. But um, on Funny or Die, uh, there's this, there was a series um, that was... Helmed by uh, Gil Ozeri, who's a comedian, uh, where he decided in order for to celebrate the coming out of the Entourage movie, mm-hmm. which I think was 2014, 2015, something like that, uh, he decided he was going to watch all 50 hours of the HBO show Entourage. What is Entourage about, Jake? I was going to get to it. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting to it all the time. <laughs> I don't know what Entourage is. So... Uh, <laughs> Entourage yeah. is a really bad yeah. show. Like, like universally, everybody thinks it's awful. It's about four guys who um, are loosely based off of Mark Wahlberg right. and his life, and they does he like, punch Vietnamese people? No, that's that's why they didn't make it a straight up biopic of his life. Yeah. Uh, but they they come from Queens and they yeah. go to L.A. and yeah. there's this one guy and he's done like one movie. Yeah. And it's all about them and their quest to become like more successful and more superficially like. Is it? Is good. it? Is it? It's sp- really is bad. It, is it spun it's as not, positive that they're good? Not, like it's not satirical. It's not satirical at all. And that's what a lot of people say when they first started watching. They're like, "Oh, this is funny." Like you know, thing. Yeah. It's not. They're horrible. Pe- it's misogynist. It's it's, 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 it's always it's, sunny. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but not realizing that the characters are horrible. Kind of. Because in, uh, it, in it, Sunny in Philadelphia, the, it's like, the they're funny, all bad. The funny thing is, is that Entourage is actually a great look into the Hollywood, um, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, lifestyle isn't the quite the right word, but the production yeah. of it. There's so many people that go into it and turn into like your manager and your agent and, and all these things around it. Um, but the show itself sucks. And it's like misogynist, how many, how many it's, it's sexist, it's uh, homophobic. Um it had about eight seasons, Ugh. and Gillo Seri, he, he already did this with Two and a Half Men, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which was another crazy thing that he did, um, but he did it again, Entourage. He sat down and watched all 50 hours, nonstop. Um, hi, everybody. My name is um, Gil Ozeri, and this is the entourage I'm going to introduce my two um, co-hosts right now, John Gemberling. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Bill. Mr. Adam Pally. So this is what Hollywood is, huh? Yeah, it's yellow Hummers. Right away, wasting gas. Hey, hello. Hey, 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 yeah, 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 I'm gonna drink this Coors. You guys, it's Mark Wahlberg's birthday. Oh! You may have hallucinations, mood disturbances, you can have bad judgment. Oh my God. That's Johnny cooking breakfast. And that's happened 14 and a half times. See, I enjoy it like on a, like a fun candy level. Yes. He stayed up the whole entire time, um, and they released all 50 hours on 
their YouTube channel. They mm-hmm. live streamed it. There's some crazy stuff that happens. They have like bits and they keep track of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, he has punishments whenever he forgets to abide by one of his rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I watched the first four hours of the first uh, one and it's it's really long obviously 50 hours uh, um but it's literally just a bunch of funny people like hanging out and just watching a tv show riffing about stuff uh, uh, you know like basically just what we do only uh, they're actually funny hey i resent that <laughs> um but anyways i i i i wouldn't suggest like watching the entire thing because i'm not even that's crazy mm. but i was struck with this kind of like desire would you, would you... i wish i wish i had stayed in china for a little while and just i what i would have loved to do is just have that on in the background mm. playing a video game because it's perfect like white noise would like you... it's perfectly like that because you can you can dip out you yeah. can dip back in listen to what they're doing it's just it, it's good for a game like crusader kings yeah. or something that's like long they're doing XCOM. Yeah. yeah yeah so if you anyways that's watched, my pick of the week if you watch that mm-hmm thing the 50 hours would yeah. you then could also say you've watched all 50 hours of entourage no because they they don't, they don't really they don't really show the they, they they have a time clock so you can keep uh, like you can watch along like they say we're at we're at episode uh, seven now uh, and yeah. like they have a little thing that shows where right they, they can't the show it yeah. because they're reacting to stuff and they're like oh my god look at that you know uh, whatever uh, they they keep track of cameos because uh, there's a ton of like cameos because it's super easy job it's you just play yourself and yeah, then you yeah. you get to make fun of four idiots um and yeah, and that's and so so you can follow along if you want. But no, I would say that I wouldn't count that as actually watching. Apparently, the movie is really bad too. So there's a movie. Yeah, it's what came out. It's the reason why he did it. Oh. Uh, because at the end of right. the end of the entourageathon, yeah. he goes and he watches the the movie. He goes in like a limo. He's got like a suit on. That's pretty funny. That's rough. Gil Ozeri, by the way, has one of my like favorite voices. Like I, I know I know that's kind of like. Two of his favorite, two of his friends who are there for mm. a long time of it are two of my favorite guys, uh, John Gamberling and mm. Adam Paley. John Gamberling too has one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. What he's such an asshole, but he's just, he's, he's it's really funny. Mm-hmm. It, it's just funny to see these guys kind of just hang out and chill. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's, nice. uh, that's been my pick of the week. Nice. High five. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Well, um, from all of us here at the studio to all of you out there, may your travels be well. May the stars always guide your feet and may the night carry you to sleep. We're all going to die.
Uh, yeah, we should really have a stick for that. Like, picks of the week. Hold on. Oh boy, here we go. Hold on, I just It's picks of the week. And he's. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta find it. It's, it's gonna take a bit. <laughs> Picks of the week! I just wanted that voice. <laughs> <laughs>